What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Friday episode of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch because Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for watching football. Kyle, happy Friday. Friday on the show. So why didn't we move forward with betting the over last night? What yeah, happened? I'm so dumb. I'm so, I texted you like halfway through the second quarter. I said, this was so dumb of us. <clears throat> but you know what? Backdoor cover for the Bengals. So I'm glad I didn't take the Cleveland right. line. Right. I, I was never touching that line. It was the over-under that interested me, and then we cowered it out. And, that's, and we got uh, 65 points. We got 65 Over two cowarding for me this year. Yeah, but you know what? You were still right with your choice. So there, there's like a silver lining to that. My bankroll didn't go up, you know? Right. That, I understand kind of your ba- financial implications weren't what you wanted them to be, but like use that as positive reinforcement next time to be like, hey, like, I was right on these yet again, so this time I might as well bet it so that I cannot get it and lose money instead. Got to love it. Um, so what's up with uh, Joe Burrow in your mind last night, man? 61 passing attempts, another game where he's under duress the whole time. He's been pressured on 39% of his dropbacks so far in the NFL, and we went into this thing really kind of nervous. We, we love Burrow, and I love the way he's played. I, I'm very comfortable with it, but I'm not comfortable with this amount of pressure. I don't care how good he was at avoiding sacks in college. This is just bad. And, and I know Xavier Suofilo was out, but Fred Johnson is your backup right guard and Bobby Hart at right tackle. I mean, this is irresponsible by the Bengals. Well, it's just you're going to get the Bengals fans real mad at you, and I, I'm yeah. here for it, and I appreciate it. But it is a, a complete lack of investment in the offensive line. And I know we took Jonah Williams in the first round of 2019 and then he got hurt and Billy Price the year before that. But like there's five spots on that unit, right? And you can't just take two swings at two individual spots and be like, yeah, well, <laughs> we, we, we swung at it. It's the difference. And we've talked about this on the show a number of times, Joe, the difference between investing and addressing. The Bengals have tried to address their offensive line, but they have not invested in their offensive line. So now you're paying Joe Mixon whatever you're paying Joe Mixon. You got all these bells and whistles at pass catchers. Do we want to talk about A.J. Green's game last night? You got a franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow who's hit on 40% of his dropbacks and attempted 61 passes to throw for 300 yards. And let's be honest, he looked great for the vast majority of the game. He had two interceptable throws. I think one of them he realized it late, so he forced it high. He looked really good throughout the course of the football game, but he got the shit beat out of him. And like, that's a problem. So Cincinnati now is going to have to walk the tightrope as far as how do you address protecting Joe Burrow, giving him reps to get him to improve, and not getting him killed. And I don't know how they're going to do that throughout the course of a 16-game season. 
I want to bring up a stat with you that is not specifically about Burrow, but it is about him and his injury risk behind this offensive line and how things have went to start the year. And because of some of the running quarterbacks that have emerged in the NFL, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, there's been a lot of discussion about guys getting hurt and using quarterbacks on design runs. It opens up this opportunity for them to get hurt. There's a perception that design runs are the most dangerous thing that you can do for your quarterback. There's not statistical evidence that supports that. Let me give you some data here. This comes courtesy of John Veros of Sports Information, Information Solutions. And this is your chances of getting hurt for a quarterback. So quarterbacks get hurt on a design run play, one every 236 plays. They get hurt on a scramble, one in every 91.7 plays. They get hurt getting sacked once every 92.5 plays. And here's what I've been building to. They get hurt on a knockdown when they're hit as they're releasing the football one in 67.3 plays design run one in 236 knockdown one in 67.3 you know why because angles right blockers yeah, angles yeah. understanding as well of who you are on that play you understand you're a runner you understand how to yeah. generally speaking protect yourself in the midst of a scramble it's chaos you're mm -hmm. attempting to Maybe be available to make a pass. Maybe you're going to tuck it. It, it. The chaos of that kind of structure and play puts you at more of a risk because you're not expecting necessarily to get hit when that play starts versus when you know I got to make a read, I got to maybe shake a defender, I got to get down if I'm going to get hit. Like you have that mental checklist in your head before that play starts. So as long as you do your own due diligence to protect yourself, as a ball carrier, becomes a routine tackle. Uh, how about uh, Baker Mayfield? I think this offense that we saw last night, I know Cincinnati had some injuries on defense, but I think that was in a lot of ways what Kev Kevin Stefanski dreamed of when he, when he thought about this offense working together. I, I mean, I think William Jackson had another PI penalty that should have been called. He should have hit Odell for another long one. But I think, I mean, even though Jack Conklin wasn't there, Jed Wills played really well at left tackle. I focused on that matchup all game. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are really good at running back. And Mayfield was confident last night, and I think that was an encouraging game for Browns fans and Baker Mayfield. Yeah, so he, he got momentum buzzing early, right? Yeah. So, you know, that, that just may be something Kevin Stefanski has to take into consideration as he's building his scripts is let's make sure we give Baker a few – straight ahead throws and very straightforward cut and dry black and white rip it to this spot we know he's going to be open and get positive momentum brewing and I also think the intensity that he brought to the game as far as Joe Burrow on the other side and like they tried to drum that up a little bit and uh you you saw Baker on the sideline ahead of the opening possession for Cincinnati and just you could tell he was kind of dialed in. It's like, okay, yeah. how, do you, how do you put that in a bottle and pull that out every Sunday no matter who you're playing? And I get Baltimore's really freaking good, like really good. And we said last week, Joe, when we had all the other guys from this, the TDN scouting staff on, bad matchup for Cleveland. Expected a, a blowout win. We got a blowout win. Um, but now it's on Baker to – kind of bring some stability to his play on a week-by-week -week basis. And I, I don't know necessarily how he goes about doing that most efficiently. 
did you listen to his post-game press conference on NFL Network after the game? I did not, game? no. Is it really interesting? They tried to bait him so hard. The first question um, was, Baker, you played well tonight. How did you feel waking up this morning, right, trying to get him to kind of go back to some of that stuff from his rookie season? And he's like, he's like, he's like I woke up feeling fine. You know, there's, you know, I'm just kind of like, just like going right at him and say like, yeah, hey, I'm not going to take your stuff. Like, we got to get better as a football team. We played well. You know, I mean, it was a different Baker than I've seen. Still the same level of confidence that you like to see, but I think it was tailored in, in, a, in a mature way that speaks to, I think, where he is mentally and we may look back at 2019 and say, man, that sucked, but it might've been the best thing for Baker to get humbled a little bit and focus in and, and, you know, play like he did against the Bengals. Obviously it's a long year. He didn't play well in week one and he's got to stack these performances better. But I think the way we felt about Baker Thursday before the game compared to after is, is where, you know, is a good swing. Yeah. It's a swing in the right direction. And interestingly enough, Joe, um, their next couple of games, they play Washington next Mm -hmm. week. Then they have Dallas and Indianapolis for their next three-game schedule. So Washington, obviously, defensively, they'll have to vet the, the pass rush, but they have a really good run offense and, and play action-oriented to help keep opposing, the opposing defense on their heels. And uh, Dallas has been tantalizing but also frustrating at the same time. And, and generally, if you account for Demarcus Lawrence, they're not going to have Leighton Van for this game could be a favorable matchup for Cleveland. And, and we projected, I think as a group, Joe, what, not here on, on draft dudes specifically, we picked them to be nine and seven, but I think collectively the TDN scouting staff also picked them to be nine yeah. and seven or eight and eight. So they're, they're right on track. Now it's just a matter of, and, and I think if you asked Cleveland fans, Hey, would you take a winning season this year? What yeah. do you think their answer is going to be? Yeah, they should say yes. For yes. Sure. Nine wins gives you a good chance with seven playoff spots available. Right, right. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. All right, Kyle. We got a little bit of time left. We got other games to talk about. Our favorite teams play on Sunday. You're feeling the win here for the Miami Dolphins. I'm feeling a win here for the Bills. It's a must win. I understand why Miami's never going to get the benefit of the doubt. They're going to be a team that you've won the last three matchups. Five or six. Yeah. Yeah, So I get it. Um, But I I also know there's a lot of pessimism around Miami from the Dolphins own fan base, let alone the national media or or, or other fans of other teams and and circles regarding the perception of, okay, you know, this is same old Dolphins. They, they had some hype coming into the year. They dropped the ball against New England. But I think if they can go man up on defense and try to play some man-to-man, I want to see them try to force Josh Allen to beat them over the top, push the ball vertically down the field. Uh, and I'd like to see them adopt the same philosophy defensively that New England took against Miami the week prior. In I want to be plus one in the box. So – that's the whole point of the Dolphins going out and getting elite athletes to play in the secondary. 
is yeah. to try and match up with teams like Buffalo who are going to run 10 personnel, like one out of every four plays or whatever yep. ended up yep. being for their, their personnel usage. So yep. I know Dolphins fans are, are very upset about the run defense, but I'm encouraged by the fact that, you know, ESPN's pass rush metric had them sixth in the NFL in, in winning pass rush matchups in week one. It's just the Patriots only passed the ball 20 times. Mm-hmm. And you've got athletes to match up and go man-on-man and, and try to dictate some of the, the routes and releases early on in the reps for Josh Allen and force him to go longer with his pass attempts. And then it's just a matter of can you get Josh to not be the, the world beater that he's been against Miami and get some of the negative reps that have shown against some other pressure, pressure-oriented teams to show up on tape. And I think that's, that's where the test for Miami will be this week. I think what's interesting here is I think the Bills have to find out if, if, the, if the Miami Dolphins have fixed a run defense, right? So you have to at least challenge them and, and, and see what improvements were made and, and if you can challenge them in ways that New England also did. And the Bills didn't run the ball well against the Jets, somewhat expected. Obviously, they were pass-heavy attack, 46 passing attempts uh, on the game. So, you know, the Bills have to find out if those run defense issues have been solved. But this is a, a team that spent this offseason kind of building this 11 personnel, this 10 personnel type offensive attack. And in Miami went out and got some really good cornerbacks and Byron Jones drafting Noah Igbenogany kind of, I think, really solidifying the roles that they want for their safeties. And this is this is one of those great matchups of, okay, well, did the Bills do enough to right. get things right in the passing game to take advantage of something that they struggled with last year, which was you know, cover zero or, or man coverage, press coverage, those types of things, or, you know, is it going to continue to be an issue? So it's going to be a really good test, I think, for both teams. Obviously, you, you feel like the Dolphins probably feel like they have to get this game um, coming off of a loss. And, and I think you, you can kind of look at the Bills side of things and say, well, uh, this is now kind of a team that has quickly turned from being the hunter to being the hunted. And how do they embrace that role as a, as a team that is, I think, they're, are they six-point favorites on the road? In Miami. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, how do – there's no there's no walking into the locker room anymore for Sean McDermott and saying everyone doubts you, right? Right. It's, it's a different message. And so how do the Bills embrace that role, which has come quickly for them? Um, so I think you, you, there's dynamics on both sides. I hate the heat. I hate not having Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, obviously, which are key matchup players uh, for every offense that they face. So uh, it's interesting. We both have a little bit of confidence uh, about our teams this week. and. Um, Someone's optimism. Be optimism. Not confidence. Optimism. Is that the right word? That's the right word. <laughs> okay. That's the right word. All right. Well, hey, we'll, we'll try to still be friends next week. Listen, we had a really great conversation with some of the, the TDN scouting staff guys in one of our staff meetings uh, yesterday on Thursday about some of the, the week that's ahead of us. Um, so what I'd like to do now is kind of bring those guys in and, and include some of that audio to close out today's show so that way you get more opinions than just ours on what this week is going to look like. So without further ado, we're going to hand it off, test the run defense, and uh, get the entire TDN scouting staff involved. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stores from every game, every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place that you can replay every game, 
all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Philbs archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Dre, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this Washington-Arizona game this weekend. Obviously, yeah. two teams that are coming off big wins against teams that were, you know, divisional favorites potentially with Philadelphia and San Francisco. So you think about how Arizona was able to negate a lot of the San Francisco pass rush in week one. I'm just curious how sustainable you think it is. I'm curious how sustainable you think the pressure that Washington was able to create on Carson Wentz is and, and, and how you see this game uh, probably the least predictable matchup of one and O teams in week two that we could have possibly got. Right. You know, I think that the uh, front for the uh, the Washington team, they were quit themselves well, but they've been getting uh, uh, pressure and so forth. I think the thing that's been most encouraging from an Arizona standpoint is their offensive line has been playing well. Um, Kyler's been, um, uh, he's had clean pockets, you know, to throw from. Um, Hump is playing well. Uh, Pew and even Kelvin Beachum, uh, who was supposed to be like their third uh, third option at, uh, at right tackle, was playing well. I mean, so um, up to this point, they play well uh, on the offensive line. I mean, I do uh, expect them to have issues running the football against the front that Washington has. Um, but I also think that Kyler will have his way in the passing game and be able to throw it and pick uh, those dudes apart. Um, and even when the front for the uh, the Washington team, they're able to get to Kyler, I think that he'll be able to escape um, and use his legs. Uh, so I think that the Cardinals are going to have success, man, against that, uh, against that front. But I do think they'll have a tough time running the football, though, against Washington. Joe, talk to me a little bit about Jacksonville and Gardner Minshew against uh, the Tennessee Titans. In Tennessee, I'm not. This is a promise that's not a trap for more old takes exposed content for Gardner Minshew, but certainly uh, feels like it. Just I'm I'm looking kind of over the schedules for everybody's teams, and like that was the one for you where it's like, how much of what Jacksonville did was legit versus how much of it was, uh, how much of it was just getting Philip Rivers in Week One going against your team in the Titans. Well, you gotta like. It looks like Tennessee should be able to run the football against Jacksonville. And that's going to be important because A.J. Brown's been declared out for Tennessee in this game. And so that's a big loss for them. But, I mean, you look at Jacksonville's defensive line and you don't necessarily feel like it's the greatest group of run stoppers, right? So I think there should be some space there and and they'll try to control the game like that, um, which is their bread and butter. And I think Tennessee is a great disguised defense and – you know, they haven't really had another pass rusher to go with Landry. They've tried. But, you know, since Arakpo and Der- Derek Morgan were on that second level, you know, rushing the passer, they hadn't had two guys. And now they have Clowney and Landry, which really accentuates what they want to do in terms of disguise and being able to get after people. So I think, I think that there's just too much in that front seven for 
Jacksonville to handle on the road in Tennessee. So I think, I think you'll see a great defensive effort from Tennessee. I think they'll run the ball well, and I think they'll handle their business. But Jacksonville's got some momentum, right? And I feel like sometimes these teams that just have all this doubt about them, they just play loose and have a chip on their shoulder. And Tennessee went to the AFC Championship game last year. So Jacksonville's hunting. We learned that last week. And so I don't think they're a team that you want to play right now. Jordan Carter, we got Minnesota versus Indianapolis. I know we talked a little bit about this game yesterday, uh, but two 0-1 teams, we talked about the dynamics of uh, a must-win if there ever was one in week two. And um, it's I think this, the stats or the, the research says 12% of teams that start the year 0-2 go on to make the postseason. So – somebody's going to be digging themselves out of a big hole here. And Carter, you're familiar with Indianapolis. Uh, Jordan, you're familiar with, with Minnesota. Would just kind of like to hear you guys talk a little bit about some of the X factors you think may be in play for this football game. I think for me, for the Vikings, it's just trying to rebound that passing game. I think this is a good game to try to get that back on track. Uh, and I think they should target an old friend all day long in Xavier Rhodes because he really struggled against Jacksonville that's I mean he was like they found him all game long and he just looked clueless out there they were trying to mix up some man and some zone coverage but he didn't know which one to be in and when exactly the positions he should be in so I think Rhodes is definitely a guy that they should target and I mean you have there's no better player that you have intel on than a guy that's played for your franchise for the past seven or eight years so they know exactly how to attack him so they definitely should exploit that um, I think it's going to be tough uh, to run against Indianapolis just because I think they have a stout uh, defensive line, even though there isn't, like, one player that stands out a whole bunch outside of Buckner. Um, but I think they should still at least try to run the football a little bit, but I don't think they're going to have a whole bunch of success just because their offensive line isn't very good right now. I'm just talking about the Vikings, but their defense really worries me uh, in this game. I think T.Y. Hilton is going to have some opportunities down the field just because that's exactly what Green Bay did. They just tested them down the field at all long and then Paris Campbell's really starting to come into his own a little bit too but uh, the running game for the Colts I think that's something that is very worrisome for the Vikings especially with their interior being so down so I'd be really worried about this game if I was the Vikings uh, Philip Rivers is trying to get back on track too but they've had success against Rivers in the past but obviously he was on a different team so it's going to be an interesting game Muted. Uh, we're talking about two probably of the, the worst corner groups in the league. So I think it's honestly comes down to just which, which passer is better. And I think Rivers, he had his patented couple interceptions, couple mistakes in week one, but I thought for the most part, he played really well. It was more the defense that let him down. Um, as far as that defense goes, Rhodes, like you said, is, is a big mismatch that Minnesota can exploit. And also Malik Hooker, we've been waiting for the breakout, waiting for the breakout, and it's just not happening. Like last week, there were a couple plays where he took bad angles on guys. I think there was one where Chenault scored a touchdown. That was largely his fault. Um, and I think if Minnesota plays their cards right, they can expose him and some of the communication issues that Indy has in, in that secondary. Last game I want to make sure we get to is a very big AFC matchup uh, between two superstar quarterbacks in Baltimore versus Houston. How screwed is Houston? Because we saw how just how much Baltimore took apart Cleveland and Cleveland's defense, the second level. We, we knew this going into last week's game. I remember we had this conversation 
as a collective group talking about Baltimore is a terrible nightmare matchup for the Cleveland Browns. Well, they go out, they put 38 points on them, they win 38-6. Well, now Houston comes into this football game. They, they were completely lost on how to stymie and, and stop the momentum from Kansas City in week one. You've got all of the dynamics of Baltimore's offense at play here and how good they looked. And you know, Balt, uh, Lamar is picking up right where he left off at the end of last season in the regular season as far as just dominance with ball handling and, and sight reads and, and making those snap decisions in real time that force defenders to be wrong. It's, you know, it's really easy to talk about, oh, we're going to put concepts in play that force a defender to be wrong. But for Lamar, he's so good at making those decisions in real time that it works so well for this offense versus on the other side, Houston, kind of a frustrating off season when you think about where they were and where their season ended and what they were and weren't able to accomplish. And then to come out and lose in arguably worse fashion and look worse in week one than you did against Kansas city uh, throughout the course of giving up 50 consecutive points. So kind of a demoralized team in Houston now having to play at home against Baltimore. I think Baltimore is going to handily take this game, but I'd be interested in what everybody thinks of this matchup. I think so, man. I think that, uh, I think I said this during the, during the off season, though, is that the thing that I wanted to see was Lamar Jackson uh, from the pocket, man. I think he's proving um, that he can beat you with his legs and his arm. Um, and if he continues to do that, there are going to be a lot of, 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 of unfavorable matchups for their opponents, man. So, um, and of course, I think they got a ton of problems there, uh, there in Houston, man. But I think that that you know the story is, is is how Jackson Jackson is continuing to grow and develop as a passer from the pocket, man. He's seeing things faster. He's processing faster. He's getting the ball out on time. I think that growth is it's just been been great, man. Yeah, I mean, this is a really intriguing matchup, but I think the Ravens are going to win this one handily just because I just don't see how um, Houston's defense is going to stop uh, their offense. And that's not just from a trench standpoint, but their secondary, uh, which was exposed last week against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are going to do that to anybody, but I just like the Ravens and the matchups that they have on the perimeter a little bit better than what they have at corner right now. So, And Lamar is going to be Lamar. We know that the Texans have the athleticism to match up with Lamar as far as on the second level, but he's still going to be himself. He's going to have his big plays. That's just what you have to give and take with him. Joe? I like that Houston has some extra time to prepare for this game, and they don't want to fall to 0-2, but I'm not sure that it's going to matter. Um, I think it's a matchup problem for Houston. I don't really see where they have a whole lot of advantages, to be honest with you, and we saw just how that offense seemed out of sync against Kansas City. And they're going up against, you know, one of the best three, five defenses in the league that's extremely aggressive. And we know that Baltimore is going to be able to score. I think Houston's defense still has a ton of problems. Uh, they lost their best run stuffer up front in DJ Reader. So I, I just, I don't, I don't know what the path is for Houston to win this football game in terms of the way the teams match up on paper. Carter. Yeah, I mean, I don't see this one going well for Houston. Um, and I might might eat my words, but there's not, like Joe said, there's not a single path really. I see where they have a distinct advantage. I look at how creative 
Um, Wink Martindale is for, for the Ravens as a DC. I mean, last week they were having Calais Campbell drop back in coverage and cause havoc. So I think with that, with their primarily heavy blitzing scheme, they're going to give Deshaun some problems back there. And then on offense, I just don't see really a way how they can shut down the run. And also Marquise Brown is proving to be a legitimate number one receiver. So if he goes for 100 yards again, they're going to have that, that passing game down too.